Welcome to Connection Point Church, and welcome to those joining us online. I'm Pastor Zach. Shelly and I serve as lead pastors here. I'm glad you're inside, for it is storming outside today. We're going to hear it and keep hearing it. It was weird to hear thunder last night, though. Everybody, anybody hear that? It's kind of weird. I don't know. Uh, well, we're inside, though, so praise the Lord. Glad that the lights are still working, too, because it was windy. Uh, so I have to admit, I, I've, I got a little bit of a problem. Uh, it's, it's called distracted driving. So before we came here, like I was on the road a lot. And, and so when you get into that habit, like you have to learn how to cope with eight and 12 hour drives, which basically you cope by doing mindless driving. But I don't recommend that. It's not safe driving. This is not something I encourage. Um, but at the same time, I've had to like undo some of those habits. Uh, but it's, it's slow sometimes because I like to be efficient. So if something comes across the phone, then I like to respond. But that's not always a good idea. In fact, really, if you're in the car, it's never a good idea. So, you know, put your phone somewhere else, but uh, I don't know. So distracted driving can be an issue. Any, any other distracted drivers even sometimes out there? We've got a few honest people. Fantastic. The rest of you all preach a message on honesty later. <laughs> oh, man. You know, in some distractions you can get rid of, but some you can't. Like, if you've got a toddler chucking Cheerios at your head, what are you going to do about that, you know? Like, you can't return the toddler. He's yours. You could remove the ammo, so maybe that's the recommendation. Get rid of the ammo. Get rid of those Cheerios. Uh, but, you know, we know that distracted driving is an issue. It can lead to accidents. You know, it causes problems on the road. But worse than distracted driving is living a distracted life. There are lots of things in the world in which we live that can distract us from keeping the one thing, the one thing, to keep the main thing, the main thing. There's lots in the world that we live in that can keep us from going after the life that Jesus has for us. And so part of our job is recognizing what those distractions are and then make sure that they don't serve as distractions. Even good things can serve as distractions, and I'll I'll mention some of those as we get into the passage today. But as we continue our series in Luke, what we're going to find, picking up from from last week, is Jesus points out that it is far better to live a focused life than a distracted one. It's better to live focused on the kingdom of God than to live a life distracted by everything else around us. So if you have your Bibles... Hey, I hope you've got God's Word. If you're new to Connection Point, we like to remind people it's important to be in God's Word, so we want you to be uh, in reading His, His Word. So we've got uh, Bibles underneath the chair in front of you if you don't have one with you today, because we're going to read that together. I invite you to stand for the reading of God's Word. We're going to be in Luke chapter 17, and we're going to start in verse 20. So Luke chapter 17, verse 20, says, Being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, He answered them, the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed, nor will they say, look, here it is, or there, behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. And he said to the disciples, the days are coming when you will desire to see one of the days of the son of man, and you will look and not see it. And they will say to you, look there or look here, and do not go out or follow them. For as the lightning flashes and lights up the sky from one side to the other, so will the son of man be in his day. But first he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be in the days of the Son of Man. They were eating and drinking and marrying and being given in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, just as it was in the days of Lot, they were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But on the day when Lot went out from Sodom, fire and sulfur rained from heaven and destroyed them all. So it will be on the day when the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, let the one who is on the housetop with his goods in the house 
nor come down to take them away. And likewise, let the one who is in the field not turn back. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever seeks to preserve his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life will keep it. I tell you, in that night, there will be two in one bed. One will be taken and the other left. There will be two women grinding together. One will be taken and the other left. And they said to him, where, Lord? He said to them, where the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, in a certain city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says, and he will not, will not God give justice to his elect? who cry to him day and night. Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? These are the very words of God. You may be seated this morning. Last week in Luke, we were talking about living a life of faith and gratitude. We were, you know, we've been in this section of scripture as we got into Luke chapter 9. Jesus turned his face to Jerusalem and and the disciples are following him. And now as we've been in this middle time before he gets to Jerusalem, Jesus is giving instructions on what it looks like to follow him. And so last week, it was really a, a lesson on how we step into the extraordinary life he offers and how do we keep living it. So there was 10 lepers. And what did they do? They said, Master, have mercy on us. So the first thing we found is we enter into the extraordinary life Jesus offers by calling out to him. So I would ask, have you done that? Have you entered into the extraordinary life Jesus offers by first calling out to him? That's the first thing you do. But then what we find is Jesus says, go and show yourselves to the priests. And and so the second point was that we continue to live or we step into that life by obediently following Jesus. We've got to follow what he says. So those 10 lepers, they, they follow what Jesus says on their way to the priest, they're healed, but then one of them goes back to Jesus. And so the last thing we find is how do we keep living in that life? How do we keep living that extraordinary life? We do it through faith and gratitude. Because all 10 lepers, they stepped into the extraordinary life. They all called out to Jesus. All 10 lepers started to live that extraordinary life by obeying what Jesus said. But only one stepped into the extraordinary eternal life that Jesus offered, all through faith and gratitude. So maybe you've stepped into it, maybe you started obeying Jesus, but the question is, have you kept living that life through faith and gratitude? You're not meant to just live an extraordinary life one day. You're meant to live it starting whatever day you make a decision to follow Jesus all the way into eternity. It's meant to be a long-term thing. So where do you find yourself? I slipped out during the song time so that I could go and talk to the Next Step class. They, they meet once a month, and so I went next door and greeted them. And it's great to see a class full of people saying, we want to take next steps. We want to step into the extraordinary life Jesus offers us. But I would say, that's not enough. Because everyone who's here is meant to step into that life. Are you stepping into that life? Have you jumped into the Next Step class to start going down that path, at least headed in the right direction? God will work out the details but you just have to take next steps. And as you take next steps and you live that life of faith and gratitude, then what we find from our passage today, Jesus is pointing out, look, as you live that life, you've got to stay focused on the kingdom of God because there's lots of things in this world that are going to distract you from my plan and purpose for you. 
So the question we're asking today is, are you living a focused, faithful life? Or are you living a distracted one? And may you identify where you're at this morning. And as you figure out what kind of life you're living, then you can begin to examine, okay, well, Lord, how do I live that focused life? But before we get there, I want to give answers to that. How do we stay focused in the life that we're called to in Jesus? Well, may I first say a focused life truly is better, and our passage shows us three distinct ways that it's better. And the first is this, a focused life, it's better than a distracted one, because distractions keep you from seeing the activity of God. A focused life, it's better than a distracted one, because distractions keep you from seeing the activity of God. So I'm going to pause and give you a teaching point right now, because any time I write a sentence as long as this for one point, my wife says, come on now. Can we write that shorter somehow? That's too much to write down. So here's my clue for you today. That same phrase, a focused life is better than a distracted one, that's the same phrase three times over. So write it down one time. Put it as the header. So here's my teaching point. Put it as a header, and now just fill in the details. Everybody there with me? Because I'm going to keep running, and I don't want to keep leave anybody behind. All right, so it's a, better, a distracted life. It's better because if you're living a distracted life, you miss the activity of God. From our passage today, the Pharisees, they're asking Jesus, when will the kingdom of God come? And what does Jesus say? The kingdom of God, it's in the midst of you. So what does that say about the Pharisees? They actually are blind to the fact that the kingdom of God is already arriving. It's like the dawning of a day that you see the sun arising, but it's still not fully here, but it is here in the midst of us. And the question is, can we see it? The Pharisees were obviously blind to it, at least this particular group. But do we see God's activity happening all around us? Do we have eyes for that? And if not, maybe it's because we have forgotten to seek God's kingdom first. Because that's really the clue. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. So the clue for us to live a focused life is to seek God's kingdom first. And what does Jesus even say as a part of that? As we do that, all these things will be added, it says. So what are all these things Jesus is talking about? If you go to Matthew chapter 6, what it says is, don't worry about the food that you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you're going to drink. Don't worry about the clothes that you're going to wear. So what Jesus is saying is, seek first my kingdom, basic provisions, I've got that covered. But the question for us this morning is, do we trust God? Do we trust that what Jesus said is true? Do we trust that basic provisions are covered as we seek first his kingdom? I hope that we do. Jesus says, I've got you covered, but it seems like we still struggle to really seek his kingdom first sometimes. How is it that we don't trust the Son of God, who is willing to die on the cross for us and was resurrected from the dead? At Easter this year, we have a Good Friday service, and we have a Sunday morning Easter service. And I actually just want to talk through, did Jesus really die? And the answer is he did. He did die. I'll show you that we have evidence to that. And then on Sunday morning, was Jesus really resurrected from the dead? I'll tell you the answer is yes. But I'm going to walk through two messages that show us that. Because here's the whole point. If somebody says, I'm going to die and be resurrected, and they pull it off, we should listen to that guy. Right? Can't he be trusted? Yes is the answer. If Jesus has been resurrected from the dead, he can be trusted. He said that what he was going to do, he would do, and then he fulfilled it. Can we trust Jesus? We've been told, seek first the kingdom of God. And in other words, stay focused. But instead, we spend lots of time 
on other things. Planning vacations and retirement, spending time online or, or with Hulu and Netflix and YouTube. All of these distractions we've got before us. And we can establish what can be shallow relationships through online media access, even Facebook. There's lots of ways that we can get distracted. And I'll say too, I mean, we could chase our kids all around town, hoping they experience the things maybe we didn't. I don't know what the motivation is there sometimes. But it gets kind of crazy. And here's one of the points this morning. Distraction is the primary spiritual problem in our culture today. Distraction is the, it is the primary distraction is our spiritual problem in our culture today. So what are we doing to guard ourselves from distraction? And distraction, it can come in all shapes and sizes. Uh, the pursuit of the American dream, it can be a distraction. And I, I'll say this, I'm not looking to offend anyone this morning, but what I want to do is run through a list just for you to consider. Are these things serving as distractions? And I'll also say none of the things I list are necessarily bad things, but what I'm saying is, is if we're not seeking first the kingdom, they can become a distraction for the way that we live. Turn on the news. You'll see that politics can be a distraction. Nationalism can be a distraction. Media, TV, and, and internet can be a distraction. Working more hours than you should, it can be a distraction. Your kids could actually be a distraction. So again, kids are a great thing. In fact, all of these things, there's nothing wrong with them, but they can serve as a distraction if that's your focus instead of God's kingdom. All of those things can fall into that. So where's your focus? That's really the question. Uh, for Christians, the pursuit of knowledge of God without application toward kingdom living, like if you just sit around reading Christian books and don't apply any of it to your life, that actually can be a distraction. Forms of worship or cultural expressions of Christianity can be a distraction. A fascination with end times theology can be a distraction. Again, these things aren't necessarily bad, but if that's your focus in life, they can serve as a distraction for you. I felt like I should have a sign that I flip over to say all email correspondence this week will be redirected to Pastor Jim Walsh. So if you have questions on anything that was spoken, he'll answer your email this week. <laughs> Jim has no idea. I'm sorry, Jim, or wherever you're at. <laughs> no, I don't mind emails. But again, I don't really mean to step on any toes except to say these things, if we're not focusing on, on Jesus and his kingdom and his advancing kingdom, they can be distractions. And Shelly and I were talking about this. Our kids are involved in activities, but here's what we don't do. We don't go to those activities and just scroll through Facebook. We actually engage the people around us. So it's not sometimes getting rid of things. It's actually just changing our mindsets in the way that we engage in those activities. You've got neighbors. Do you know their names? You've got work colleagues. Do you know anything about their lives? Have you ever offered to pray with someone? So it's not that you even change necessarily the way you're living, although you might need to do that. It's more that you change the mindset and the way that you engage in those activities. Are you trekking with me this morning? That's what we're talking about. Are you distracted or are you focused in living for the kingdom? And so I, I was thinking about how has God been active in the lives of people at Connection Point? So I asked our office manager, Shana, Shana Ivey, could you pull the last two months of celebrations? Look at that stack of cards. Isn't that awesome? These are all stories of people seeing the activity of God in their lives. And here's one. I want to thank God for my husband and son, that they're alive. My husband was in a car accident. Our vehicle was totaled. The vehicle is replaceable, but my husband and son are not. Glory to God, our family's still together. Praise the Lord. God always provides. We'll be moving into a perfect house in late February. Again, seek first his kingdom. I've got basic provisions covered. Do you believe God for that? 
another person uh, who says that my faith in God has been growing deeply. Praise God for spiritual growth. And you could card after card after card of people seeing the activity of God in their lives. But I'll also say, as I was going through these cards, I started to pick up on a pattern. And the pattern was, I started to see sometimes the same name of somebody sharing, you know, same person, but sharing a different celebration. And so what that was showing me is that although we do have some people living a faith-focused life, they're looking for God's activity, we also have a lot of people that are not. So where do you find yourself? Are you celebrating? Are you seeing God's activity? Because you should. I'll tell you, God is at work. The question is, can you see it? Are you living a life focused on what God is doing? Because God is doing incredible things. He's doing incredible things all around you. But are you too distracted to see it? Spend less time online. Maybe sign your kids up for a few less activities. You'll have to figure out the application for yourself. But I'll say this. Do whatever you have to to ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. It will help you see God's activity that's happening all around you. It will. A focused life is better than a distracted one because distractions keep you from seeing the activity of God. Well, what else? A focused life is better than a distracted one. Why? Because distractions lead to death. A focused life, it's better than a distracted one because distractions can actually lead to death. After Jesus tells the Pharisees the kingdom of God is in their midst, he goes on to remind them of a couple of stories from the Old Testament. Here's what he tells them. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the days of the Son of Man. They were eating and drinking and marrying and being given in marriage. So let's pause. Okay, eating and drinking and marrying, being given in marriage. Is there anything wrong with those things? Nope, those are just kind of everyday activities. And the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, just as it was in the days of Lot, they were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. I would say that our county engages in these things. You probably engage in these activities to some point. But on the day when Lot went out from Sodom, fire and sulfur rained from heaven and destroyed them all. And what does Jesus say? Whoever seeks to preserve his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake, they will gain it. Jesus has shared this same verse before. He has shared the same statement as we've been journeying with Jesus, headed to Jerusalem with the disciples. To really enter into the life that God has for you, you have to seek his kingdom first. Whoever seeks to preserve his life will lose it, he says. But whoever loses their life will keep it. To live an extraordinary life, you can't allow even what are just regular daily activities get in the way of you seeing God's activity there. God is active you have eyes to see it. I mean, that list shows us those are just everyday activities. There's nothing inherently wrong with them, but all of them serve as the potential distraction if you're not first and foremost living for God. Again, in the section of Luke, Jesus is describing what it looks like to follow him. He's showing us what it means to live the extraordinary life that he offers. He's defining it for us. Jesus shows us what it looks like to be his follower. We don't allow culture to define Christianity for us. We ask Jesus, the Son of God, to define what it means to follow him. And then we follow him in that way. And the way Jesus defines following him, here's what it's not. I'm going to climb a corporate ladder Monday through Friday and add Jesus to my life on Sunday. Jesus doesn't find, define followership that way. And Christianity is not, I'm, I'm going to pray in the Spirit on Sunday between 1045 and noon and, and have no other conversation with God the rest of the week. That's not what it looks like to follow Jesus. Following Jesus is keeping our eyes on him day in and day out. Growing in Christ-like character as the Holy Spirit, he shapes our inner person. 
We link arms with other believers to see God advance his kingdom locally and globally through the church. And what a joy that we get to do that together. The person who loses their life will keep it, Jesus says. The person who lives for Jesus will experience extraordinary things. That's what he's saying. Eugene Peterson, in his biblical paraphrase, the message, here's how he translates this verse, and I like it. He says, if you grasp and cling to life on your terms, you'll lose it. But if you let that life go, you'll get life on God's terms. I don't know about you, but I'd like life on God's terms. He knows a lot more than me. He loves a lot better than me. He is far more powerful than me. I'd rather have life on God's terms than mine. Now you might say, well, I like my distractions. They bring me such comfort. Problem is, according to this passage, it says they actually bring death. What does it say? Noah, in the days of Noah, the flood came and destroyed them all. Fire and sulfur, as we look at Sodom, it rained from heaven and destroyed them all. Distractions lead to death, and it might be a slow death, but it's still death. But Jesus brings life. Jesus brings life. In fact, he brings life flourishing. Are we living in that life? If you're living with distractions, you're not snuggling with a warm blanket. You're snuggling with a rotting corpse and your nose has lost its sense of smell. And this is why we look at God's word because we need something outside of us to help us identify the issues in our lives. Dr. Rose, who shared on Wednesday about living life full of the Holy Spirit, he talked about how we live in this reality But we, those who are followers of Jesus, we live in a different reality. And while we live in this reality, it may not be our home, but then we can live in everyday spirituality in a way that helps Jesus to stay first in our lives. The way that we live here is that we don't allow distractions to keep us from living a life focused on God's advancing kingdom. We live with eyes to see God's activity all around us because it's there. We live every day as a day to see Jesus advance in our lives and in the lives of others around us. We live with our eyes on Jesus, knowing he's the one that leads us in extraordinary living, because he does. A focused life, it's better than a distracted one, because distractions lead to death. In a focused life, it's better than a distracted one, because God listens to focused people. A focused life, it's better than a distracted one, because God listens to focused people. After Jesus shares about Noah and Sodom, he redirects the audience toward a story about a persistent widow. This widow is persistent in her approach in seeking justice from an unrighteous judge. And Jesus uses her example as one to highlight the kind of persistence that we need in order to live a life of faith. In fact, Jesus says, God the Father listens to those with focus. He listens to those who are persistent. God listens to focused people. Why? Because kingdom-minded people, they have the heart of God when they pray. They pray, oh God, your kingdom come. May you reach my neighbor who seems far from you right now. Oh God, restore this marriage that I know is having a hardship. Oh God, restore and reconcile this relationship between this parent and child. They pray those prayers because they're kingdom-minded prayers and God wants to answer those prayers. And I'll say this isn't just an example regarding prayer because the last line of the passage, here's what it says. When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? When Jesus comes again, because he is coming again, Will he find a focused faith in you? Or will he find you distracted? That's what Jesus is getting at here. A focused life is better than a distracted one because distractions keep you from seeing God's activity and because distractions lead to death, but a focused life leads to extraordinary living. So here's the question. 
If a focused life is better than a distracted one, how do we stay focused? How do we stay focused? And I'm so glad you asked because I have some answers as we look at God's word. That's where we're really headed. We need to understand first a focused life is better, but here's the whole point of the message is we can live a focused life and there's ways that Jesus shows us to do it. How do we stay focused? We keep our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. The writer of Hebrews, he captures this so well. Here's what he says. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, and what the writer of Hebrews is saying is, we've got these faith fathers that have gone before us, Abraham and Moses and these people. But could I also tell you this morning, you in this room are surrounded by people who are faithful and they are faith-focused. And you need to take advantage of that by linking arms with them and saying, you know what? I need your kind of faith in my life. And what does he say? Let us strip off every weight that slows us down. Let's get rid of all of those distractions, especially the sin, so that easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance. Let us run with endurance the race. That sounds a lot like last week. Live a life of faith and gratitude. Run with endurance the race God has set before us. And how do we do this? By keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion. I love that phrase. Jesus, the champion, who initiates and perfects our faith. That's how we stay faithful. So how do we run with endurance? How do we keep our eyes on Jesus, the champion? We've been talking about it for three years. I could quiz you this morning, but I won't. Number one, abide daily. These five things that we've been talking about over and over, this is why we have hold these things as core values of the church, because I know that for us to live the life that he's called us to, we've got to finish the race. We've got to run the race well. And how do we do that? We spend daily time with Jesus through his word and prayer. If you're not in the habit of abiding daily, could I encourage you, grab one of those booklets from the seat back behind you. Those aren't meant to be left here. Those are meant to go home with you. Start to abide daily. What else do we do? We serve others. Why do we want people in Next Step class? Because we can help direct you to where you can start to link arms with those faithful, fervent people so that you can grow in your faith too. How else do we? By giving selflessly. We take an offering every Sunday. Why? Because we know as you release the resources God has entrusted to your care, then they don't have a hold on you. And you can keep your eyes on Jesus. How else do we keep our eyes on Jesus, our champion? We love Jesus and others. So as we go about our everyday life and you encounter situations, you ask that question, what does love require of me? And as you figure out the answer to that question, you're going to learn to love Jesus and others well. And what's the last thing we do? We share his good news. We, we take a look at our programs and we look on the bottom where it says, who are we going to share something from this message with? God will put somebody in your heart, and then the question is, are you willing to do it? Jesus means for you to share him with others. And the question is, are you doing it? If you do those five things consistently, you will live focused on King Jesus. You keep your eyes on him, and you'll be faithful to it. But now I also fully realize there are many sitting here today that maybe even wonder, well, I simply come to a church building on a Sunday morning because that's what I've always done. I'm really only a Christian because that's the family I grew up in. I'm not even really sure this whole Christianity thing is real, but I'd like to tell you this morning, Christianity is true and Jesus is real. Shelly and I had to figure that out, and everyone who's grown up in a Christian household, you've got to figure that out for yourselves too. I know the question is there, am I simply a Christian because that's the home I grew up in? If I had grown up in India, would I be a Hindu? And you've got to figure that out. And I'll tell you, we explore that for ourselves. Oh God, am I simply a Christian because that's the home I grew up in or am I a Christian because this is true? 
And so I've researched documents and understanding ancient documents to understand this is God's word and it is true. And you've got to figure out those questions. You can't just take my word for it, but I can tell you if you've got questions, I'd be happy to point you in the right direction so that you land on the same truth. What I want you to understand, if you've grown up in a Christian home, what that means is you've simply won the lottery. Because you could have been grown, grown up in a home somewhere in some village in the Middle East, a Muslim home, where you grow up feeling fearful of Allah. But that's not what you've been given. So you've simply won the lottery, and the question is, what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with the fact that you were privileged enough to grow up in a home that helped you understand who Jesus is? And that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And there's no other way to access to God and his kingdom except through him. I think about our time visiting with, with people in the Middle East, who grew up as Muslims, who understood that God was someone to be feared, not a father to be loved. What a terrible way to grow up, that you could stand before God on judgment day, and even if your good works outweigh your bad, which is what they're going for in Islam, that Allah could say, you know what, I still want to cast you to hell. That's their belief. So what a hope-filled message we could bring to say, yeah, I want to introduce you to God, our Father, and his name is Wonderful, Counselor, Prince of Peace, and I want you to know that kind of faith and the way that you follow Jesus and serve him too. May you have that kind of foundation to know that Christianity is true and Jesus is real. And when you can land on that truth for yourself, then you can start to live that fervent faith that Christ calls us to. So if you have questions, man, ask that we can help point you in the right direction. And I'm sure that you're going to land on those same truths too. So the question is, are you stepping into faith or are you stepping out of it? It's not one way or the it's one way or the other. It's not that you can stand in between. When Jesus returns because he's coming again, will he find you as faithful or distracted? Start reading the Read Scripture app tomorrow morning if you haven't gotten into Abide Daily. Learn to abide. Sign up for the next step class. Find a place to serve alongside others. Take next steps in learning to give so that you can hand those resources over and they don't have a hold on you. Take next steps in, in giving. As you go through your week encountering obstacles, ask yourself that question, what does love require of me? What's your I will statement? What are you going to do in response? In response to this message, I will remove the distraction of, what is it that the Holy Spirit's been speaking to your heart and who are you going to share it with? A focused life is so much better than a distracted one. A focused life is an extraordinary life. A distracted one is a subpar life. So don't live that way. Live extraordinarily. I want to invite you to stand as we close in song this morning. And as we close, I, I want to ask, where do you find yourself with God? Have you stepped into the extraordinary life? Have you called out to him? That's wonderful. But have you continued taking steps by obeying what he says? Are you remaining faithful and grateful for the life that you've been offered in him so that you can follow him from now into eternity? That's the life that God means to have for you. Have you. Are you living a focused life or have you been living a distracted one? And maybe today you're here and you say, you know what, I have been living distracted. I really haven't been following God, but I have a heart to do that. We're called to live a life of faith. So have you put your faith in Jesus? With every head bowed in this room, I just want to ask, maybe you're here and you'd say, I've been living distracted, but I want to live focused on Jesus. I never made that decision to follow him, but I want to make that decision today. If that's you, and that's where you find yourself, just raise your hand. I want to pray with you before we leave. Over here on the left, anybody else that would say, I, I want to follow Jesus. I want to devote my life to him. In the middle, anybody else that would say, I want, to, I want to live a life focused on King Jesus and the life that he has for me. Over here on the left, anybody else that would say, I want to follow you. I want to live according to your kingdom. I want to put your kingdom first. 
God, I just pray that you would help each and every one in this room to live a life of focused faith. May we not get distracted by everything else going on around us, but Lord, I pray that you would help us to live with our eyes on you, the champion. May we do that as we spend time in your word and in prayer. May we do that as we serve alongside others. May we do that as we learn to give selflessly, as we learn to love you and others well and share your good news. God, help us stay focused on you. Lord, for those that raise their hand, we celebrate with them today that they're making that decision to step into the extraordinary life that, that you've offered them. God, we thank you that you are after us and that you were chasing after these individuals today and they responded to you. And so God, I pray that you would help them to step into that life today and continue to follow you for all of eternity. I pray that they would take to heart the opportunity to start reading your word. May they, may they embrace the opportunity to be able to meet with somebody, to answer questions they have. I, I just pray that there would be nothing that would distract them from what you want to do in their lives. Lord, we just pray that as we close in song, I pray that we would continue to dedicate our lives to you. May we sing this song with eyes on you, knowing that you desire to help us to live the life that only we can find in you. And Lord, we just pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm ask Pastor Mark to come. And if I could have some prayer team members also come with Pastor Mark. For those that raised their hand, and there were several that did that this morning, what we want to do as we close in song is we clapped and celebrated you even in our prayer time. Man, we celebrate you in this, in this room this morning. Most important decision you can make in life, you just made it. And so what we want to do is to make sure, hey, where do I go from here? We want to help answer that from now. So we're just going to have some prayer team members that are available so that you can, as we sing, just step out from where you're at, meet with them. They want to give you a Bible and say, hey, here's where you go from here. Because we don't want to leave you where you're at. You might come to Christ alone, but you're going to grow in Christ with us together. And so we want you to have access to that. So as we sing, if you responded, please come forward. A prayer team will meet with you. And otherwise, let's just sing and may we keep our eyes on Jesus.